0: Welcome to The Build-Up on Balls.ie in association with Ladbrokes. Please bet responsibly. Visit dunlui.net for further information. Welcome along to The Build-Up here on Balls.ie in association with Ladbrokes and we're talking rugby today and we're going to look ahead to Warren Gatlin's lines announcement which is coming tomorrow, believe it or not, with Stephen Ferris. Stephen, how are you?
1: Not too bad, thank you. I'm actually just sipping away here. Um, this is Darren Cave. As anybody knows, Darren Cave. he's a couple of coffee shops up in Belfast. Um, him and Callum Black. Call- they have a few over in Worcester around the Cotswolds and stuff as well. So cheers to Darren. It's <laughs> absolutely gorgeous.
0: <laughs> nice little plug for for Cavey for there. Um uh, fair play. Uh, he hasn't sent me any of his uh, of his coffee or anything yet, but I'd be happy to plug it, Darren, if you want to. You know, <laughs> I'll just text me. I'll send you on the address. Uh, free coffee, always good. Uh, 36-man squad out tomorrow for Warren Gatland. Uh, less than, I think, the 37-man squad you were in in nine and I think it's been 41 for the last two. So it's a bit of a tight squeeze to try and get everybody in. Um What's it like the day before uh, the Lion Squad? You would have hoped, I'd imagine, know, uh, 09. I don't know if you get the call beforehand or not, or whether you're literally waiting on that announcement.
1: Yeah, I was waiting on that announcement. Um, I think I received an email saying that you know, you're in the mix. So uh, I was traveling to South Africa, obviously, a few like visas and stuff like that. So there was a, an email sent out, I think, maybe three or four weeks previous, to the call, if my memory serves me right, um, to say look, you know, you're 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 in the mix more or less. Um, Hello, Rory. Best got that uh, heads up as well in 2009, but he didn't get selected. So you know, there's just two examples of 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 me getting there and Rory not. So um, yeah, I'm sure there's there's maybe what make 50 guys are probably mm. you know been sent that email or have been told that they're they're on the fringes. Um, and, yeah, I found out, like, uh, standing outside and uh, I think it was New Forge Country Club in Belfast where we used to train with Ulster to stand outside and all the boys were inside watching the live announcement on a big hold down projector screen and um, I was just outside kicking a ball around and <laughs> John, Johnny Davis, the, the former s c coach, came out and just went, yes, you're in, big man. I was like, brilliant. But then yeah. you know, I, f- I felt bad, like, because somebody like Rory Best who was – Playing reasonably well there, in and 9 oh eight, oh nine didn't make it. So, um, part of me was over the moon, and then part of me sort of felt a little bit sorry for him. And then there wasn't any uh, any chance of him getting selected on that tour with, with injuries and stuff. So, yeah, but no, that that's the way I find out. It just, I think it was Sky Sports, and yeah, yeah like uh, it was, it was pretty cool looking back on it.
0: Yeah, yeah, cool as a breeze, pretending to be cool as a breeze outside kicking the ball, not bothered whether you're called up for the lines or not. I love it. That's the, that's the young Stephen Ferris, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but like, it is funny because it's, without kind of like getting into it, we talked about the actual experience on tour before and we might get into it a little bit as the, as the summer goes on and we look forward to it. But in terms of the actual selection, it's, it's, it's a funny thing. Is like, as regardless of almost your own personal relationship with what the lines was and what is going up, regardless of all of that, as a professional rugby player, to be kind of selected as one of the, it is such an honour, isn't it? To be kind of like put into that category of like, to be selected among four um, rugby-playing nations.
1: Well, definitely, Mick. Um, I suppose like touching on a young Stephen Ferris, like back then, I, I didn't understand what it actually meant to play for the Lions until I went on the Lions tour. So okay. all the lads out there that, um, you know, are looking at the Lions playing and, you know, geez, I wish it would, was out there and I'll be brilliant to represent them. It really is the pinnacle when you, when you train in that environment, when you play in that environment, when you understand the culture or the history of what, um, playing for the British and Irish Lions means, um, you know, it's, it's, it's just phenomenal. And, um, I enjoyed every single second of it. I suppose when I get over to Penny Hill Park, I think that I'm, I'm not sure where the lads are going to be meeting up this time round and, and everything else may be slightly different with all the restrictions in place, but, um, when I made it over to Penny Hill Park I just threw myself <coughs> excuse me threw myself into the environment like you know massively just just broke let, let all my buyers down didn't matter if it was Andy Powell who had you know played against a couple of times never had a spoke two words to him got to know different fellas um socialized with lots of different different guys throughout the tour um there wasn't too many, you know, cliques around. Yes, there was there was a good few of the Welsh lads who, who were fairly tight, but it didn't seem like there were cliques um, mm. a bit at the time, which was brilliant also. But, yeah, I didn't understand it until I actually was in the environment, Mick, of, of how big a deal it really is. And uh, it certainly was absolutely, without a shadow of a doubt, um, the, the, one of the best six weeks of, of, of my life. Like, mm, I know man. I didn't get to finish the tour over the last couple of weeks, but... Um, what an experience, what a group of men to to play with, um, what a, a badge to represent and, you know, the history that's gone before and the players that have gone before. It's uh, it's phenomenal. So, um, yeah, it, I, I'm sure the lads who get selected, you know, obviously it's a huge achievement, but mm. probably not understand that until they put on that red jersey.
0: Yeah, absolutely, for the first-timers. So, you've got... I think there was fourteen of the thirty-seven um, in that 0-9 tour of Irish. We were on the back of the Grand Slam. Lancer just won the Heineken Cup. Munster had won it the year before. Paul O'Connell was captain. It's a very different situation that we're in now. Wales, obviously have that relationship with Warren Gatland anyway, plus they had the good Six Nations. England have that pedigree, obviously, of, of, of what they did in the World Cup, even though they haven't played so well this year. And even Scotland, they're putting like hands up for players, like probably for the most in, in the professional era, really, it, it, on, on a Lions tour. So there's a lot more competition. I was going through it during the week, and I was thinking maybe, you know, I think we could have as low as seven and maybe as many as 11. I kind of think it's going to be around nine. If you take it that tight Furlong... Robbie Henshaw and Conor Murray, especially based on the kind of what's there in the competition um, at scrum half, are, are are certainly there. Everybody else does have a question mark um, beside their name. Um, I don't know what you what number you uh, you ended up on when you were when you were thinking of the squad.
1: Yeah, it's an interesting one because I think especially over the last couple of weeks with the, the, the way the European results have went against the Irish provinces of of, yeah. of course, specifically Leinster uh, because of. You know, some of the performance like we chatted about James Ryan, you know, how big a game that's, that that was against Lara Shell, he started that game, Gary Ringrose, how big a game it was for him. If those two lads had just outstanding individual performances and Leinster ran out winners in that game, you would you know, me and you would probably be talking, my Mick, about those two lads uh you know getting involved in this tour. So now it's, it's, you know, the gate has swung the other way, so to speak, and I feel that those guys are now, there's question marks over them. I know with Gary Ringrose, there was always a question mark there, but then um, with, with the injury um, to uh, uh, Winger, played 13. George North. Sorry, his name just left me. The George North rupturing his ACL for the Ospreys. Then there's that space that opened up, and I was expecting, you know, Gary Ringrose to go out and, and grasp that and it didn't didn't sort of happen but believe it or not um i'll read out a few of the names that that, Mm -hmm. that i went for and a couple of players a couple of guys in my um squad people probably disagree with somebody like joe marler because Mm um we all we all know joe marler comes with it um either a bit like marmite um i'm not sure how well he got on with warren gatland in the last tour he took himself out of the six nations but there's no question in his ability at, at loosehead prop and you know south african showed in the rugby world cup final that you need um a, a really good piece and joe marler for me is probably the best one of the best scrummagers in the northern hemisphere so i've went with him in my squad but you no know, just Keane healy i, th- I think Keane healy's definitely in with a shout i think he's. Um, uh, better than Marco Vinopola, especially in the Six Nations. Tag Furlong, I think Andrew Porter's also another outside shape, um, a tight head prop, along with Kyle Sinclair in there, and obviously Tag. So there's probably three tight heads, three loose heads. Mm-hmm. Um, Ian Henderson, again the Irish there at the weekend. You know, big physical pack in Leicester. Ulster get bullied. You know, Ian Henderson. So everybody's going, "Oh yeah, I you know, brilliant." He's going to. He's going to kick on, and then all of a sudden he's captain of that team. They get beat out of the gate. They get physically beaten up. You know he's the man leading those boys, and it sort of didn't happen for him. Um, but two weeks ago, Mecca, I, I would say he, his name was on the on yeah. the page already. James Ryan question marks, as I said. Tag Burn, I think is um, you know with his playing performances during the Six Nations, I think it would be a sin if he didn't get selected, um, and. Yes, he hasn't shown that same consistency in his in performances over the last two, three years, but I think he's, he's in form uh, and you got to select him. Connor Murray, of course, Robbie Henshaw, of course, and the question mark is always <laughs> over Johnny Sexton. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and the question mark has to be very, very big. Now, Mick, because... These head injuries, they are adding up. I know there was a pile of nonsense about you know all these concussions that many he's had, and some French doctor come out with some random remark, and uh, you know Johnny hit back. But it, it, it's worrying. Like, you know, yeah. it, 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 it is worrying. Um, and we all wanted the same kick on from the Six Nations. We were like, geez, Johnny's got a run of games here. So he had a couple of 80 minutes back to back. He's, he's starting to hit a stride. Then all of a sudden, head knock against Exeter back it up he's been sitting mm. out um, and yeah he's not playing again this weekend in the in the Rainbow Cup so it, it's, it's it's not looking good so for Warren Gatlin Mick I don't know what your initial thoughts are on it. it's uh I'm sure Leinster fans won't want to hear it because they'll be screaming for Johnny Sexton to be on that plane to represent the British and Irish Lions but there there, there has to be doubts from the Lions coaching staff to see if they can rely on the Irish captain.
0: So that's going to be four weeks now because they're a week off after Exeter. Then they played the the, the Munster game. Now La and he's already ruled out for Connacht. So that's like four weekends where he this, this is going to rule him out. Sexton, I suppose, has shown the ability to come back and kind of like hit the ground running at times. He's also got the experience of six test caps, which I don't know if many others, maybe Alan Wynne-Jones um, and own farrell maybe i'm not sure even no not even that farrell but just Alan jones i think that could possibly go on this tour have um and he's probably he was probably the best out half in the in the six nations so that's on one side of it and then gatland is going to say right but he's also 36 he can't really stay on the field and can i afford to have one of my possibly three out halves you've got farrell russell and bigger as your other options Can I afford for one of them to be a guy who might not be able to stay on the field and has current injury issue over his head? So I suppose the question comes to where does where the where do we think is predicting that Warren Gatlin is going to fall? Is he going to go with the pedigree and the fact that he probably when playing is the informed ten, or is he going to go with the guy that you might not be able to rely on throughout the tour?
1: Oh, that's a good question, isn't it? I, I'm I'm not sure is the honest answer, Mick. Um, the coaching staff are going to have their work cut. I'm sure they're going to round and round in circles, not over just Johnny Sexton, but other players, lettered throughout the squad. Um, yeah, I, I think this Lions Tour, it's a shortened format as well, Mick. It, the, you know, it's not the same amount of games as it has been on previous tours. It is a shortened format, so you're not going to need um, you're not going to need as, as many lads to back up uh, in, in games. Potentially. Uh, so that could be another reason for bringing Johnny Sexton is because, you know, he's not going to be, have to be relied on to play a lot more minutes than he probably would have done four years ago. Um, but yeah, the other thing you get with Johnny Sexton is he, he's a winner. He's a, he's a huge competitor. He, um, he puts his balls on the line. You no know, when he does represent either, you know, his province or his country or the Lions in years gone by. So yeah, I, I'm just not sure. I'm, I'm I'm still stuck in this, Mick. I think there's a, a large part of me would like to see him there because yeah. of what he has done in the past. But there's also a part of me that's saying, geez, you know, the last thing we want is for him to go on a Lions tour and get knocked out in the first game. And then all of a sudden people are... I, I don't think Warren Gatlin would like that because then there's so many eyes on Johnny Sexton instead of the Lions. um, And yeah, it's uh, it creates talking points and stories that you don't necessarily want, especially when you're going into a big, big tournament, mm-hmm. and you want the full focus to be on yourselves uh, and not on one specific player. Um, and, like, Johnny could get himself fit. He could go on a Lions Tour, play four or five games, not get a head injury. But history tells us over the last 18 months, two years, that he has suffered a number of head knocks, He's going to play against the biggest physical team in World Rugby, the Rugby World Cup champions, um, other club teams that are going to be wanting to run out there and take people's heads off. And there is no doubt that he's going to get banged up, and it's whether or not his body's going to be able to take the take the toll of that. So, yeah, it, it's going to be tough. Um, and that's the decision that Warren Gatlin has to, to to come to, Mick. And yeah. thank you yeah. me, I don't have to make it.
0: <laughs> but it's, it, it's not going to be like... Brian O'Driscoll in the third test in 2013, this is a genuine tough call that we kind of can't accept either way. Is that sort of, you know, even as Irish fans?
1: No, like, but Irish fans make it like, it's the same as me here. As an Irish fan and as a Johnny Sexton fan, um, And Um like I, I want them to go on the tour, like, you know, of course I do. I want them to kick a drop goal in the third yeah. test and, and, <laughs> and win it because... Like, he's not only representing uh, the British and Irish Isles, like, he's representing, you know, a home home here. And um, I've watched Johnny, I've played with Johnny. Um, I've, uh, you know, come up through the age grades with Johnny and seen him do very well. He's done a lot better than I have, and I want him to keep kicking on. Um, but that's that's my heart want me to do that, uh, yeah. and say these things. And, you know, there's so many other Irish fans out there You know, walking past people in the gym today, Like, you know, talking about the rugby, talking about, oh, Johnny Sexton's out injured this weekend again. I wonder if he's going to make the Lions squad. Like, I don't think you want that narrative uh, of people talking about that constantly the whole way throughout the squad. So then that's when you look at the other side of the coin and you look at what Warren (laughs) Hatton will want from his, his media conferences and his press briefings. And, you know, the last thing he wants to do is continually go in and just repeat himself about Johnny Sexton, Johnny Sexton, Johnny Sexton. And, you know, you know better than me, Mick, because you're you're involved in a lot of the the press and the, and the media duties in international weeks. That you know, I'm sure Johnny's sick of answering questions about his uh, about his injuries and about his head knocks and everything else. So, um, yeah, it's it's, it's going to be a funny one. But me, as a fan, of course, I want him to go. If I was head coach of uh, the British and Irish Lions, um, there would be lots of chats going on with the rest of the coaches staff to see what the best thing is for the squad um, mm-hmm. and, and take it from there.
0: Absolutely. Um, you've, you've mentioned most of the names that I have uh, in terms of guys um, to come. The only other one is maybe uh, Ronan Kelleher you mentioned um, a couple of weeks ago as possibly that third choice kind of bolter uh, um, from Hooker. I suppose it's it's open as to whether, whether we're or not we'll see that again. It would be great to see, but I think, unfortunately, probably looking at the likes of Stander, Earls, Hugo Keenan, despite his brilliant form, there's just probably just too much competition at 15. Caelan Doris hasn't played enough rugby. Stockdale, probably not in the form he'd want to be. Peter Matney, not in the form they want to be. And, you know, it's probably, it's not going to be, at least in the initial squad for these guys. But there's one other guy that I just wanted to mention, because there's an opening at Scrum Half with, uh, the, uh, with Ben Young's being ruled out. And there's been all kinds of names thrown out there. And it seems as though Danny Kerr actually seems like he might be, of all people, um, seem, who hasn't played rugby, international rugby in two years, seems that he might be the favourite to get that third uh, behind Murray and, and, um, and uh, Gareth Davis. But, like, you know, there's other names, other Welsh guys as well. But John Cooney keeps getting brought up as a possible wild card. And, you know, it does always seem that everybody outside of whoever the Irish coach might be or the Irish coaching staff Gets a little bit perplexed as to why John Cooney doesn't get more of a run at international level. And it would just be kind of like his career and the narrative of his career to kind of, as soon as he's completely on the outs with Ireland altogether, he's not even in the squad, to get called up to the blue lines in the same year.
1: <laughs> yeah, it w- wouldn't surprise me. Like it wouldn't. He- he's playing some good rope, but he's always-, he's always playing pretty well. Um, I did an interview there for BBC the other day and. Um, I was asked a similar question, Mick, about, you know, Cooney and about that spot, and, like, the Cooney bandwagon has been gaining momentum, hasn't it, for the last couple of years, and the reason for that is because he hasn't been getting any international call-ups, he hasn't been getting the recognition for the way he's playing for Ulster in an Irish jersey. So that automatically gets people's backs up and say, "Why is John Cooney not playing for Ireland? Why is he not playing? He's the best scrum half in Ireland. He should be playing for Ireland." And then when he doesn't get selected for Ireland, then that gets their back up even more, and that makes the noise outside get even louder. And of course, it's going to get louder and louder. I think if John Cooney had played three or four times for Ireland over the last number of months, his name probably wouldn't be um, wouldn't be on the radar. That's just my opinion. Mm um so yeah like i think he's maybe, he's maybe in with a shout he's maybe received that email that a lot of other lads have received and um you know keep your phone on but yeah there's no doubt in his, his pedigree's good he's been very consistent he's a good goal kicker um he's somebody that wouldn't be phased by getting selected for the lions even though he hasn't been in the international window for a long time if anything he would grow in stature he would uh, relish the opportunity um and yeah it could be a shout you know danny cares another one that brings lots of intensity and pace uh to the game just the way he plays i think he would actually be a good shout for for you know maybe not the test team but for for midweek games to bring a lot of a, a lot of that pace and energy um go on brings a bit more stability and a bit more reliability too so uh yeah it's it's a real interesting one isn't it that, chatting a big from Hamilton, he thinks Ben Spencer might actually be in with the shout. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think maybe Kieran Hardy might be in with the shout. He tore his hamstring, obviously, against England. He's superb. You know, the top and go penalty that we're going to remember that um, caught Johnny May out, or, or maybe it was Elliot Daly out, and, and, and went in for the try. And he was playing super ropey in, until he got injured. And arguably, probably would have finished the Six Nations, starting nine for, for, for Wales. So he might be in with the shout. So there's another three or four names there, Mick, that you yeah. could write off. But just to go back on that, John Cooney, I certainly feel him with a chance of playing for the Lions this summer. It may not be getting on the plane initially, but if there's an injury or two, he would be one of the lads that it would pick the phone up to.
0: Yeah. On um, just to kind of looking back there, with the squad has been announced that uh, I think it's is. it, 12 o'clock, maybe 11 o'clock. 12, like, I think it's 12 o'clock 12, tomorrow. Was it like 12.18 or something. <laughs> 12, yeah, oh, no, yeah, there is a very specific time. We're getting the captain at like 12.09 and I think the, <laughs> yeah. the rest of the squad at like 12, you know, 36 with uh, and 15 seconds or something like that. But uh, yeah, so everyone can keep an eye on that tomorrow. We'll know by one o'clock anyway, one way or another, who the 36 uh, men is and who the captain is. Who's your prediction for captain briefly? I'm going to go with Solomon Jones. Like, uh, yeah,
1: and Again, I think he's just, he's been there done it. he's won so many caps. He was my first roommate in 2009 when we both uh, ventured over to to, to Pennyhill Park. Top fella, well-respected. He's just playing steady rugby, isn't he? He has been doing, Mm -hmm. he's been written off so many times. It's an interesting one, Mick, because I'm not sure, like in three months' time or two and a half months' time when they're playing the test, that he'll actually be starting the test. But I'm not sure that if you name a captain now, that he has to start the test. I know that's, that hasn't been a thing. So like when Paul O'Connell was named in 2009, you could be sure that he was going to be starting. When Sam Warburton was named, you could be sure that he was going to be starting if he was fit. Where if um, Alaman Jones is named, I'm not sure if he can be sure that he's going to be um, you know, selected on the test side. But yeah, I'm going to go with Alaman Jones.
0: Yeah, I think that would be a nice kind of like sentimental call as well. I think even 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 those of us who get a little bit annoyed by Wales during uh, Six Nations time can have <laughs> have enough respect for Alan Wind that we'd love like to see that happen. Uh, okay, so we're looking possibly Alan Jones. We'll know all of this by one o'clock tomorrow. The couple of players that you mentioned, Henderson, I think will be there. But again, he, you know, he's there. Uh, James Ryan, Ringrose might ultimately make it. But again you mentioned that they might not have done their cause if it, if there was any doubt, any favours at the weekend. It was a very disappointing weekend. They go Both teams go, Ulster go down to Thomond Park this week, which is always a big fixture, and it'll be on Friday night on TV, and people will get into it, and it'll be great, even if there might not be the anticipation now. Connacht play Leinster in the sports ground on Saturday night. So the Rainbow Cup is up and away, and we'll see how we get on with it. But it was such a disappointing performance, both second halves, really from the two Irish teams from Ulster and Leinster at the, at the weekend. It's hard not to be a little bit downbeat and downhearted kind of thinking ahead to the rest of the season.
1: Oh, Mick, I'm gutted, like, really, really gutted with the way things have panned out over the last couple of weeks. And the warning signs were there, weren't they, when yeah. Leinster was like, competing by Ulster and Ulster. Like, I watched the game back last night, the ulster Conic game. Um, they, get, they get dominated, like. They, they got seriously dominated, and I know there was lots of change in personnel, there's a few guys come in, but the Connor boys smashed them up front, like smashed them smashed them on the gain line in, in attack and defence, um, you know, there was, there's some clips in that, that game that we're probably going to show on Friday night uh, before the monster game, where, you know, Ulster four or five phases, they were just continually going backwards, backwards, just knocking the ball on, and that was the warning signs to go, right guys, you know, we can't afford to do this, and then, of course, they get the momentum going and they're brilliant in the first 25, 30 minutes. Um, and Borthwick had to stop the rot, and he did. He got half time, didn't he? He made a, a raft of changes. He brought in Hayes, Brink, um, who was the other one, uh, Claire, on, a, on at halftime. And, and they brought a, a physicality back to the, the Leicester pack. You had Ellis Gaines running 20, 30 yards sideways across the pitch and Bosching lads. You know, he just needed to be knocked in the next week. And that just wasn't happening. Um, and yeah, as I said, the warning signs were there, but extremely disappointing for, for Ulster the way they finished the, their European campaign. Um, and it comes down to this again, Mick. I know I've seen so many pundits over the last week talk about it. Lawrence Delano, BT, Vicko, and a few other guys just about how Ireland and Irish teams struggle to deal with the power game, you know, struggle to deal with huge men um sides to bring massive physicality and yet again there's two examples maybe even three with the, the way Connacht played against ulster of of, of really struggling to, to, to deal with the, the physicality power um and aggression that the that, that the, the side showed so yeah so well, how do you negate this you know this is the questions these are the the, the answers that the coaching staff of, of ireland ulster and Leinster specifically at the minute have to try and find answers to, to try and negate this for, for future matches going forward. I think you'll be able to tell better than me, Mick. I think it's what five of the last six European knockout games uh, Leinster have lost. Um, you know, they've only won one final and the other ones, you know, semi-final, quarter-final last year, another final defeat. So it's, they haven't found an answer for it yet. Um, and, uh, you know, they put all their eggs into one basket here to, to, to try and get a, a European championship. But unfortunately, it hasn't panned out that way. And yeah, it's, uh, I'm not sure how many lessons and learnings you can take from those games apart from being out muscled and um, you know, giving a bit of a battering up front.
0: And that's it, yeah. And it was a concern for La Rochelle in particular that that that, that would happen against Lencer. But you kind of think that Lencer, in particular, even more so than Ulster, have that kind of like talent base that you think they might be able to implement themselves on the game and and play on their terms a little bit. Maybe they did for the first 20 minutes, but it seemed like they couldn't get it. It reminded me of even watching Man City in the football last night. It was like with their the the way they were pressing up, and, and, and PSG couldn't get out of their own box and couldn't get any kind of foothold in the game it was like that for the entire maybe the last 60 minutes of that game was La Rochelle just weren't letting Leinster out in any way and it's kind of up to Leinster then to be able to say well hold on let's like you know we're got when we do get that possession we're going to do the same thing and not not Ireland's Irish rugby over the last I don't know if it's 18-24 months easy exits seem to be the thing that just jumps up in my head is that like you know it's like we're we're getting hit on counter attacks we're getting hit uh, you know teams have these magical kicks and we go down and we spend the rest of the half down in uh, in our own 22 or at least inside our own 10-meter line. Do you think that's coming from what you're talking about with being overpowered by teams or is there something a little bit more... I know you, one of your issues with Ulster in the second half, I saw you tweeting, was that they just let the game come to them. They didn't sort of go out and try and, you know, chase it because they had that lead. They just let it come and so sure eventually you're going to get done that way.
1: Yeah, you're going to get done. Like... I, I... I certainly feel that the, the Ulster tactics changed at halftime. You know, people are saying about Albie Matheson coming on and he box kicked the ball a lot more. Like you can be sure Albie Matheson was getting words from the coaching staff in his ear before he actually took the pitch of how they wanted him to play. So he just didn't come onto the pitch and go, Ah, I'll tell you what, I'll just start box kicking here. You know, we ran the ball in the first half and got lots of change out of it. Ah, well, I'll just I'll just change it up here myself. That had to come from the coaching staff. Of course it did. Um and yeah, the, the they were found out, weren't they? And, you know, kicked loosely. Um, they, they lost that kicking game, especially in the second half. And it's about trying to stop the rot. And Leinster couldn't do it in the second half. Ulster couldn't do it in the second half. And sometimes it's like, this it might sound random, but, you know, just starting a, a complete brawl or, you know, massive handbags, Peter Omani handbags, you know, <laughs> um, the, for, for two or three minutes at a, at a scrum. Just something to kill the game for that few minutes to regroup, regather yourself and try and come up with a big play or come up with a game change and hit that um, can swing the momentum. And, you know, the momentum was in Ulster's way, Lancers' way, Half time, boom, swung the other way. But it's about getting it to swing right back round again during that period in the second half when you're starting to become under the pump, you're starting to be under the cost, and neither side could do that. Um, and, yeah, it's uh, it's funny. Everybody, like, start a started brawl, you know, go down injured for a long period of time. They could have done that, and it probably might not have worked, but at least try something where it just yeah. seemed to me that Ulster and Leinster both just were happy enough yeah. to let the game run away from
0: them. Um, that's what it felt like. And It did feel like it just, just petered out, didn't it? it, it, yeah. it, it there was yeah. no drama in... Either team like trying to get you know come back in the last couple of minutes or anything like it just felt like we they both got late tries, but it was just like it just felt over, you know. It was, um, yeah, it just like I I think once like I
1: 100% been there in a match against Le, uh, Leinster 2012 Heineken Cup final, you know, we got off the half decent start 50 50, going okay. What well, was six? Five, six points down at half time. Ruan Pinar kicks a lovely penalty. We run into the sheds. We're like, right, guys, we're going to come out here. This is our game plan. We're going to implement it. I'll do X, Y, and Z. We come out. The next thing, Lancer get their tails up and we just let them run away with it. We hand the ball back to them. We keep making unforced errors. We kick really badly. Our big game players, I've told you this before, go out the gate, myself included. And, you know, are just grow in confidence. They get better and better. They those 50-50 offloads stick. You know they don't play any dangerous rugby. And before you know it, you're standing under your post, eighty minutes. Sean Cronin scores the last try, and there's what thirty-eight points or forty points or something on the scoreboard. And you you walk into the sheds after, in the change rooms afterwards, and you go, what well, what what the hell just happened? How did that game yeah. just pass me by? Like, and this is the thing, it. it in my own opinion, that's very similar of what happened at the weekend in, in both of the European games for Ulster and for Leinster, that the game just passed them by in the second half and they couldn't, they couldn't negate and didn't have answers for what their opposition threw at them. Okay.
0: No, absolutely. It does seem that way. I think the lesson to take from this, though, is that Stephen Ferris says you don't get the European finals without knowing the dark arts. And... <laughs> Of rugby, and why not? Like, I mean, that's you know, tried and, tra- tried and true over the years. Um, it was a disappointing weekend. Maybe this weekend will be better than Munster Ulster on Friday night, uh, Connacht Lencer on Saturday. And by then, we'll know which of those players are going on the line so or not. So, enjoy the announcement tomorrow and the rugby at the weekend. Thanks, Mick thanks a and Stevie and thanks for you to watching thanks to Ladbrokes as well if you're having a bet on the rugby or anything else at all this weekend please do gamble responsibly visit dunlui.net we'll be back with more build up later this week possibly tomorrow I think maybe for some a bit of football talk with Kevin Doyle so we'll talk to you again